Football Made Simple. Become great at your craft by finding ways to make it simple for those around you. This is the Coaching 101 Podcast, hosted by Findaway Productions. With your co-host, Daniel Chamberlain and Kenny Simpson. What's up, coaches? This is the Coaching 101 Podcast. I'm Daniel Chamberlain, co-host, here with Kenny Simpson. Coach Simpson, how's Northeast Arkansas, man? It is about 130 with the heat index out this way. And we got a little break. We got a little break a little bit ago, and we played our scrimmage game. You know, it was probably low 80s, mid-70s when we did kickoff and got spoiled. And then I, I thought, well, you know, there's going to be one more heat wave, and there sure is. It's We're having to modify practices out here, move them to 7 o'clock in the evening, and it's just uh, – it's that part of football season that you don't really remember because usually you remember the end of the year when it's cold, right? When it's brutally hot, it's it's pretty bad. Tell you what, we had a coach Phillips, I believe was his last name at Lone Grove when I was a you know growing up sophomore, junior maybe, and uh, I'm pretty sure he was the O line coach. I, I need to, I haven't talked to him in many many moons, but he used to always just talk about how this is oh, it's just Hawaii, man, just. You got to pretend you're in Hawaii because you would want it to be warm there. Oh, this winter, you're going to be hating it when it's cold. You'll be wishing for this hot weather, you know? So I always use the same stuff to my kids. Like, you better soak it up now. Yeah, it's terrible. But uh, when it's sleeting on you or, you know, wind chills or is what you start worried about instead of heat index, uh, you'll be wishing you had some of that summer heat. I'm one of the weird football coaches that does prefer the heat over the cold. It's not that I like, like, this hot, but – I prefer hot. I'm not a big, like when it gets below 40, I'd rather just be in the box, you know, with hoodie on, calling plays. You're not out there running around. So, like, it's not like you can get acclimated to the cold. It's just cold. Right. You know, it's kind of miserable. But this is the kind of year, I don't know where you are in your season. We just had our scrimmages out here. And so we're kind of that excitement is going and everybody got maybe a little dose of reality in their scrimmage. But really, you don't get one till that first game, you know, and that's kind of where I think a lot of coaches right now, I'm nervous for the season. I'm sure they're nervous for the season. You know, you got a million things going on. School just started for us. So you have all these different things going on, the excitement going on. And then, man, that first Friday night game is really nothing like it. It's that, that kind of your nerve. I'm nervous every game. That first one is you don't really know, you know, how your new guys are going to do, you know, how your new coaches might do, maybe adjustments you make are going to go. And then you kick it off, and it seems like after about four plays, I'm calm. I'm ready to go. With those first four, it's everybody's a little nervous. Yeah, I think it's that first series, whether it's offense or defense, it's just how are we how are we going to come out this year? Is it going to are we going to come out strong? We're going to come back on our heels. Um I, I agree. We, we're at the same place, so um, I'm blessed enough that I get to kind of coach three teams this year. Um, I'm volunteering with the varsity there at Owasso, and then I'm the defensive coordinator for – we basically have two freshman teams. So um, Mondays and Tuesday nights I get to coach, be the D.C., and then on traditionally Friday nights. We've got some Thursday night games this year because of the ref shortage, but um, on Friday nights I kind of just get to sit back and watch some cats that are – years beyond my experience um you know do great things so it's going to be a lot of fun 
Uh, I'm still trying to figure out how life is going to exist outside of football because that's such a busy schedule. But man, I'm just I'm ready to soak it all up. Um, you know, we I think you talk about being kind of an eye opener for the kids. It, it was for them too. Um, our practices have been rather soft. We're not focused on hard hits and you know just thud and keep people up because you got to protect your kids. Um, then you kind of see that transfer over into a scrimmage and you got to go, all right, so what, where's the, where's the fine line, right? Are we going to, are we going to let them loose in practice and just risk an injury or you can't just turn the switch on, right? That's what every coach says. You can't just turn it on in, in the game time. So we got to figure that out. Um, just getting our scheme, just what do we have installed? You know, we, we knew there was some stuff we were missing at the freshman level because we've basically had two weeks. Um, we had some personnel changes, so we had to change schemes right at, I mean, within an hour of our first practice, we went from a forefront to a three front and, um, I'm the new DC. And so that was kind of when I finally got to join. So, I mean, you know, uh, we had broken arrow, went over and played their freshman team and they come out and empty a few times and we don't, we didn't have an empty check, which is super simple to install. Um, we just were a little bit worried about getting our other base stuff put in. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, they took advantage for a few plays, but we can kind of take that with a grain of salt and say, look, kids did well for what they knew to run. We'll have an answer for it next week. So, Yeah, one good. thing I would suggest to a lot of younger coordinators, both sides of the ball, is uh, hopefully hopefully you've already done this, but like the off-season time should have been focused on tackling and backpedaling and the skills they're going to need. Because now when you're into the season now, now you got to spend about 80% of your time like on the scheme. Right. Um, so here's what we expect we're going to see. Here's our empty check. Here's our key. Here's our this. Here's their plays. Younger coaches, and a lot of times, and older coaches too, uh, all of us can make the mistake that we get into schemes so much early that we're bad at tackling. And I hate to break it to you, but like if you're bad at tackling, it doesn't really matter how you line up. Like you still have to get them on the ground. And so that's right. Uh, if you really struggle in the scrimmage on that, we, you know, that's what we do the first three days after the scrimmage was all we did was base stuff. We had a hard time blocking to the whistle. So I guess we went to the sled. You know, we had a hard time open field. We were swarming, but we weren't really great at fundamental tackling. So we two or three days on that. So spend some time, invest some time right now. Maybe your scheme is super simple early, uh, but if you can get good at tackling, blocking, catching, that kind of stuff, then it's easy to install a little wrinkle. But all the wrinkles in the world, all you're going to look like is an old man that can't tackle with all the wrinkles. So I would make sure you spend <laughs> your time fundamentals. There you go. Uh, so I had to make sure we talk about it because we probably would have ended season one last week. But this this is uh, officially the last episode of season one. Um, you know, it's been an absolute blast recording the podcast this, I say year, but, you know, I think we're, what we start in like April-ish or May? Um, so half a year and just getting to talk ball. Uh, and, and it works out because we're going to talk a little bit of self-scouting today. So that's that's what our final episode is going to be for this season. We're going to kick it right back off next season, um, probably next week, if, if things work out the way that, they, that we have them scheduled. Um, so if you're listening, we would absolutely love some, you know, some ideas. What, what do you want to hear about in season, right? We understand everybody's busy. And maybe you don't want to waste your time listening to a podcast about something you don't need. So um, we're definitely taking some suggestions. So you can either uh, just email one of us. Uh, you can email me at uh, chamberlainfootballconsulting at gmail.com or uh, over on Twitter at Coach Chambo. Okay. 
And then Coach Simpson's got, you know, his his email, fbcoachsimpson at gmail.com. And then he's at FB at FB Coach Simpson on Twitter, right? Mm-hmm. So right. jump over there and shoot us some DMs. Let us know. I know we've got a few people working in the background to to throw us some more ideas. So officially closing out season one tonight, and it's been it's been a lot of fun. Um, Coach, as we kind of push forward here, why don't you share some ways that we can simplify football for our stabs and our kids? Sure. Yeah, Coaching 101 podcast sponsored by Findaway Productions. Findaway Productions is starting to grow into different worlds, but we have fbcoachsimpson.com, like Daniel mentioned, that has 30-some-odd books, all ranging from, like, weekly planners you might want to get now for the season. If you want to do gun tee fundamentals, there's a lot of materials on that. 3-4 defense, more general coaching materials as well. We have a lot of the workbooks you can go through that will help keep you on track. And then we have materials that are a little more in-depth uh, material. If you want to take those, we have the team themes books uh, that are really good if you're looking for something to go through with your kids. Um, and then, of course, there's all kinds of PowerPoints. There's some free materials over there, all at fbcoachsimpson.com. Uh, usually this is the time of the year that we slow down a little bit, but I noticed the last couple of weeks, a lot of coaches are getting those planners. If they're just trying to kind of stay on track. Um, they've been good for me. It helps you stay organized and save your time. Then I've got uh, FB, I'm sorry, Findaway Productions also has OffensiveCoordinatorAcademy.com and DefensiveCoordinatorAcademy.com. Probably don't want to go through the full academy right now or you're you're probably going to be struggling, but we have a lot of one-off materials. We've got workbooks over there, templates over there, call sheets over there, defensive blitz charts over there, defensive line courses. So there's a lot of kind of one-off courses you can go to and get whatever you need, OffensiveCoordinatorAcademy.com and DefensiveCoordinatorAcademy.com. And Daniel is our last one, so we're going to add in. i got a new product coming. Really excited. I now have a patent-pending status, so I'm now an inventor, which means it had to be really simple, of what's called the Coach's Cap. Coach's Cap, uh, which hopefully by the time you're listening to this, we'll have the website built for CoachesCap.com. Basically, Here's how it came about. I show up at practice every day, and every day I have my boonie cap on because I don't want to get burnt because I had to get stuff cut out of my face, and I forget my whistle. Every stinking practice, and all my other coaches forget their whistle. So came up with a patent to sew in a clip on the bottom of a boonie cap that you'll clip your whistle to, so you'll never forget to bring your whistle to practice. So coachescap.com has a whistle attached to it. So if you're like me, you actually look like you're somewhat prepared to go to practice. If that's not out yet, it will be in the coming weeks. Really excited about that. The, uh, when you, when you talked to me about that, your coach's cap the other day, um, I had just that day. I I don't ever forget my whistle, but I always have, you you got a string on the, on the hat, right? And then you have a whistle on a lanyard that that's hanging around your neck and I can't have them both on the front. It just mm-hmm. bugs me because like I reach for my whistle and then my boonie caps. And, so I just got to put it on the back and I hate the boonie cap strap being on the back. So when you said that, I was like, that's genius. Like it, it, it eliminates my issue of, I don't want the stupid string. I don't want them on the same side. So I'm pretty pumped about um, picking up one of those and, and uh, eliminating my issues. I'll talk real quickly about adaptable PTs. That's our physical therapy clinic here in Grove, Oklahoma. Uh, my wife is Dr. Samantha Chamberlain. She is the uh, main clinician there. She's super focused in PT 2.0, just one-on-one care with the licensed providers. Whoever you see should be the one you see every time, and you don't have to 
um, share that time with anyone. We're not going to double or triple schedule like some pieces, um, some places do. Very fitness forward approach. She's probably going to have you under a squat bar at some point or some type of Olympic type of lift she's got going on. Um, she's going to ensure that your physical therapy exceeds what your daily stuff is. If your effort, your day to day in, excuse me, day in and day out effort is the same thing you're getting at your PT, then you're, you're not getting therapy. You could just stay home. So uh, you could reach out at adaptable PT on Twitter or adaptable PT at gmail.com. Um, and last but not least, your athletic speed and movement. It's over at athleticspeedmovement.com. That's where um, Joe Daniel and I are taking Dell Baskets 45 years of speed training. It's the NFL's original speed trainer. He was the first guy doing it. And it's not just linear speed. It's, it's movement, football movement, uh, moving between the tackles, accelerations, decelerations, uh, cuts. You know, we, one of the biggest things we've noticed in season is our coaching cue for corners is uh, you know the wide receiver is about to make a cut when he drops his hips, right? You get a hand on him, the old seatbelt, wait for the hips to drop. And in Dell's system, there is no hip drop. You're making cuts uh, just using your shoulders and using physics to make that cut instead of having to drop your hips. So you can kind of steal some away from the defender there if, once you get good at it. It's not too late to get the program. It's not too late to install it. Um, it takes a little bit of your, your warm-up about two to three days a week, depending on how, how quickly you want to get that installed. You can, once again, it's over at athleticspeedmovement.com. Log in there today and, and uh, sign up, and you can start being faster next week. All right, now all that's done, let's move on to the good stuff. So, uh, like I said a while ago, our topic tonight is self-scouting. So this is kind of a time that this is probably coming out. Um, so it's three weeks from today. So most people are probably through week two which I think is a great place for this episode to pop up because you've got some non-district games. Maybe you've, you've played up or played down, depending on what you thought your ceiling was whenever you scheduled these games you know, a couple of years ago. Um, and so it's time to really start. You've got two games of you on film. Your scrimmage is great. You know, scrimmage film, if you get a half game or something, but you're hiding stuff, right? Every coach is going to hide a little bit. So um, you may even be doctoring up your play calling to – give them something to scout, right? Maybe you're only doing a certain amount of runs and passes or certain players are only getting so many looks. So now you've got a couple games under your belt. You truly have kind of come out and shown your true colors. What is your team going to look like this year? I'm not saying you've shown everything because that's, that's probably not the case either. But it's, you know, the decision-making isn't on a piece of paper and I'm reading through a script every single play. It's, we're, we're reading the cues, right? We're down a distance, the, you know, weather conditions, what are the other players doing, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, I think this is an excellent place to talk a little self-scouting. Okay. Um, so are you talking to you when we go ahead and start into it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, let's just talk what are the benefits of self-scouting. Okay, yeah. Uh, well, I think self-scouting is important. There's a, there's a lot of things you can think about with self-scouting. So we're gonna I'm going to mainly talk about it like from a schematic point. So offense or defense, I hope this will kind of work for either one of them. Most teams that will do a lot of self-scouting are mainly you kind of think about offense, but I think it can go both ways. I think defensively, you got to kind of check what you do as well because, you know, both sides, all they're spending, usually their Saturday and their Sunday doing is trying to find a couple things that they can take to use. You know, I think a lot of times with self-scouting, sometimes we get too deep down the rabbit hole into, uh, we call it on defense, we call it like chasing ghosts, like where you start chasing things that aren't even out there. Right. So be careful as you do your self-scouting that you don't just like invent problems that aren't a problem. But 
you do want to see, so number one for me is you do want to see some potential issues that you know are going to show up. So these are some potential issues that you're going to have to answer for later on. For, for example, you know, you might realize that a every time we get in the red zone, we're doing X, Y, or Z, you know, and, and really we're only doing X. We've only run behind this same kid because that's the only guy we can run behind. Well, it's not going to take long for them to kind of figure out that's what you're doing, you know, or we, this kid is getting the ball every single time we're in X formation, you know, and so it's not going to take long for them to figure out that's going to happen. So you need to start kind of predicting what the defense is going to do. Don't, don't go out there on Friday and just assume play one, they're going to do that. Like a lot of times you'll get yourself caught that way or you'll assume, well, surely they know when we go unbalanced, we always run strong. Yeah, they might know it, but their 14-year-old inside linebacker might not know that. And so don't just assume they're going to know that. However, you need to have a mental note, man, every time we've been in unbalanced, we've run strong every single time. So I need to make sure mentally I'm prepared for what am I going to run back the other direction? You know, or perhaps on defense, every time it's third and one, you've shown that you're going to blitz. Third and three or less, you're bringing everybody. Okay, well, it, you know, you, what are you going to do when they start throwing screens on third and short? Like, what is your, do you have a bluff? I can bluff a blitz and maybe get out of it. So it can work both ways. Now, the second thing I think you need to do is you, you can dictate to a team, especially on the offensive side of the ball. So this is mainly on the offense. You can dictate to a team keys that you kind of want them to follow. So, for example, we're heavy wing T base, so we pull linemen a lot. So my assumption is a lot of teams might be keying backed. Like they might be looking at our linemen when they pull, that they're going to go chase those linemen. Right. So we want to build into our system the ability to come back from that. You know, and so you can also dictate, okay, every time we've lined up an X personnel group, we've followed our fullback. 100% of the time, if you self-scout that and look at it, or every time we've been in this set, we've run these two pass routes and we've only thrown to this kid. You know, so there are certain things you can kind of understand that a defense is going to have, right, where they're going to key our fullback in this set, probably, because that's what's happened every time. So you can almost dictate that to a defense and then have some false keys you build into it. All right, if you're going to follow our linemen or you're going to follow our fullback, then this is something we're going to have built in to do to hurt that. You know, but you have to do that on the front end. You can't really do it in the middle of a game, and you need to understand what you're looking for. You know, defensive guys, basically, um, they're looking for what can I tell my player to look at to give them a tip of what your play is. That could be a formation. That could be a, a certain player. That could be whatever they call those keys. Okay, so if they're going to be running keys, how am I going to break their key? How am I going to give them a false key? Send this this way, line up this formation, do something different. Okay, and then the third thing is it allows you self scouting allows you to see problems that you have in your own play calling. So you you it, it, sometimes it's painful to watch because sometimes the dad in the stands is right, like throw the ball or run the ball most of the time they're not right because they're just usually not right sometimes your play calling does suck like i've gone back and watched the game and went man i did a terrible job on this sequence of plays 
or I did a really bad job on this quarter, or sometimes I did a really bad job on this game. How in the world did I not see X, Y, or Z? So self-scouting doesn't just have to be keys and personnel. Sometimes it can be ways you can correct what you're doing. You know, you can't ever go back and replay things, but you hope you can learn from mistakes that you made in your own play calling. And so that's sometimes that can be that tough lesson there. Um, yep. I, you know, something we've picked up on and it's kind of what I said in the intro there. Do we have too little? Do we have too much? Um, yeah, I think you can quickly find out that you don't get that many snaps, right? Whether it's offense or defense. I mean, in high school, you're probably in that 50 to 80 range, right? I mean, depending on what your opponent does, are they trying to grind the clock out or are they, you know, high flying? And then comparing that with yours. So are you overly, do you have an abundance of stuff you're trying to run? Um, for instance, a few years ago when I took over, um, I got into the huddle of, of a team's, uh, as a DC, I got into their huddle and there was like 400 and some odd offensive plays. And I was just like, what are you, what are you doing? Like, how, where are you going to use all that? Now that might've just been, you know, years and years. It could have been a system. Hey, this is what we have available. We're going to use 20 plays a game, Well, that's fine. But do you think your kids have remembered 450 of them so that you can, you know, use those at, at your will? I don't think so. So you can quickly see if you just have too much stuff um, and maybe it's just stuff you don't need. Another thing is too little. I talked about, you know, we obviously identified we'd not put in a uh, empty check, which I knew <laughs> I was just, um, you know, it was one of those things like we're going to use the time we have and get the things installed we can. And, and uh, that was the thing that I just said, we'll take care of that later. If it pops up in the scrimmage, it, it, the points aren't real, right? It's like, uh, whose line is it anyway? So, um, the other thing I think is, uh, are your kids confused? So that was something we very quickly identified as our linemen, our D linemen on a defense, our freshman team, they go one way. And when you turn on the film and like 60% of the time they're going not that way, you have to go, what have I missed on my install? Is it, uh, forgive me, I, I do practice extreme ownership, so it's always my fault, but is it, did I teach the position coach wrong? Did the position coach teach it to the kids wrong? Are the kids just not picking it up? Because it should be pretty simple if you do one thing every time. So where have we gone wrong? And, you know, who do we need to go fix? What part do we need to go fix to make that work? Um, what part of your system is broken or can be taken advantage of? So that's where you start. I just really see, um, you know, we kind of do the thing with our outside backers. Nothing crosses your face. Well, that's fine unless he's D-gap and they send a you know, whatever, they send motion out his way on the snap and now he's chasing something to the flat and then they're running power counter right behind him, right? And it's like, well, now I have one guy, the safety coming downhill to fill two gaps and he's got to take on two lead blockers because my design said nothing crosses your face. So I made this very solid rule that made sense when I drew it up against how many plays and then the, you know, the defense or the offense did this one thing that broke my system. So then you have to start, you know, figuring out what rule am I going to do to fix that? Um, I, I think there's like, there's so many benefits and I'm sure everyone's going back and looking at their film. I just, you know, I hope everybody knows what to look at. And so that's our next part here is like, what exactly, where are my eyes going when I turn on that film for myself, Scout? Sure. There's, there's a lot of places you can go. And that's why, again, be careful not to chase ghosts. I mean, you still have to prepare for an opponent. 
So usually the best time to self-scout is, is during a bye week. Daniel kind of mentioned maybe between conference and non-conference would be a good time to do that. Uh, but don't like, don't think just because you have a tendency means you're making a bad play call. Like we do a lot of play calls based off of numbers and leverage. And if you're going to continue to give us leverage, we're going to continue to call the same play. So sometimes it can skew the data uh, where it looks like, man, they're, you know, they're running the ball 95% of the time. Well, we were winning and we're trying to run the clock out or they didn't line up to unbalanced or they didn't line up to, there's a lot of things that can be in it. So just be careful that you don't just do formations, but that's probably where most people start as they tend to start with formations because that's where most defensive coordinators are going to start. They're going to look at, okay, when they're in 10 personnel, they're two by two, and they're going to have that little breakdown sheet that says they do this 50% of the time, and they do whatever. If the back's to the right, they do this. And so you, those are the different formations are when they get into a tight end. Maybe they throw the ball 40% of the time. When they have two tight ends, they throw the ball 10% of the time. So those are, those are tendencies they're going to get. So formationally, is usually where most coaches on both sides of the ball are going to start. Like they're going to start with the offenses, formations, and they're going to look at, okay, here's their top 10. And here's what they're doing out of those 10 formations. And what jumps off the page to you? Is there a 90 plus? Well, then you need to be very aware of that. I'm not saying to change what you're doing, but you need to be aware that, hey, we're pretty heavy here. You know, one game we ran to our sideline 100% of the time because the referee on the other sideline sucked, okay? I don't do that every game, but I did that <laughs> that game. So I'm sure the guy breaking down our film was like, man, they run to their sideline every play. Well, there was a reason because I ran to their sideline once and they threw a holding and I was done. We're, we're going to our side. But you need to kind of be aware maybe you are to the field or to the boundaries, that's the next thing. Are you to your sideline, to the strength, to the field, to the boundary? That's the next thing they're gonna break down. So formations, and then are you running, you know, how are you going right or left? How can I get an idea on that? Then they're gonna look at field zone. When you get into what position on the field, are you starting to run different plays? Like, do you have a third down and short package? Do you have a red zone package? You know, what are those things you're gonna run? That can be offense or defense. Offensive guys look at defenses. Okay, when are they going man zero? When are they bringing the house? So it's the same deal. That's usually a field zone or a down and distance. So that's another one, a down and distance breakdown. You know, are you going to throw the ball 100% of the time on third and five or more? Well, that's a pretty big tendency. You know, so just kind of being aware that this is what you're putting out on film. So that's what they're going to be prepared to do. You know, so again, not telling you, I mean, the third and third and seven, maybe you probably should throw it, you know, so I'm not telling you not to throw it. I'm just telling you they're going to break that down on you. Yeah. Then you look at, okay, when we do throw the ball, where are we throwing and to who are we throwing or whom? I don't know. I'm not the English guy here, but who gets the ball? Okay. And, and where is it going? If it's third and seven and you've shown a tendency that you throw an out route to the sticks every single time it's third and seven, our defense is going to get some picks against you because we're going to roll the coverage to the first down marker on the out route. Okay. If you've shown where we throw the curl route or whatever we throw, if it's something that's obvious, you're hitting a certain field zones, a good defense is going to drop their guys into that zone 
or if you're only throwing to one guy, they're going to do their best to take him away because that's easy coaching as a defensive guy. Hey, guys, on third down, they're going to throw it to number eight at the first down marker. Okay? Like any kid understands that, and that's easy to coach. So kind of be aware that's the next thing you look at. So field zones, all that kind of deal. Uh, then you want, then I like to look at like my own personnel. Like this is kind of switching gears here from the, the normal breakdown that you get off of the different software you might use, whether that's huddle, I use quick cut, whatever it is, you're going to get that same breakdown. Okay. Then I think you need to watch it as a coach because I don't want some guy from like Bangladesh breaking down my film and sending it to me. And I think all of a sudden I know what's going on. I'm not trying to be ugly to them, but like that guy doesn't know football. He just prints off whatever column you put on there. And anyone can do that. You know, I want to watch the film and see how people are attacking me. Are they, are they saying, man, they think this lineman is really bad. How do you know that? Well, they keep bringing pressure right on him. You know, or are they saying you can't roll to the right or left? So we're going to put our best players on this side. Or are they attacking your quarterback by going man zero and bringing the house because they think you can't show you can throw it? Are they playing way off in coverage and dropping three because they think you can't take the screens? Now, there are certain things people are playing you for. Sometimes defensive coaches just run whatever they run, but most of the time later in the season, they run a defense to stop you. They tweak what they do to stop you. So if all of a sudden they put their best kids over here, they seem to think that's where you're running or they seem to think that's where they can get you. And so you need to watch your guys and how a defense is attacking you. Is everybody bringing pressure off the edge because you've not shown an answer for it? Are they bringing pressure up the middle? Are they blitzing a lot because you've not shown you can answer that? Because any even in the NFL level, once a defense shows a blueprint to hurt you, you can bet you're going to see it again. You're going to see it until you show you have an answer for it. And the same thing I would say on defense. If you got a corner get toasted three times, guess who we're going after on Friday night? We're going after that guy. So you need to kind of look at personnel or you had a kid. We used to call this one guy the force field on the other team. And I won't mention who it was, but he was always around the ball, but never made a play. Like that guy was a middle linebacker with like nine tackles on the season. So guess who we didn't block at all the whole game? That guy. We blocked the guy next to him at 120 tackles, and we double teamed him. We had a, a lot of success because the guy on film that never made a tackle, guess what he didn't do on Friday night? He didn't make a tackle. And so you need to be aware kind of of your personnel and how people are going to go after you. And so that's the other thing that no huddle report, quick cut report, no report can show you that. You have to watch the film and analyze it. Yep. Um, so I, number one, I just want to talk, I want to look at, are the kids doing things right? Um, we use the ASCA, right? Alignment, stance, key read assignment. Are they doing those four things right? Snap in and snap out. Because if they're not, it doesn't matter what your scheme is and what wrinkles you draw up and all that. If your kids aren't going to do it anyway, just like we said in that last section, you're only as good as the kids doing the fundamentals and doing exactly what they're told on each play. So I'm, that's where we're looking for, um, you know, are our defensive ends going the wrong direction? Are linebackers reading things correctly? Are safeties, uh, you know, taking back pedals and getting their reads? So I'm just looking for all of those things, number one. Are we playing sound football? If not, uh, fundamentals kind of probably needs to be the answer for what are we going to work on this week? But when you get a little more in depth, I start reading like basic key reads 
that someone would use against me. So you already mentioned the guards, right? You like to send both guards for a buck sweep look. And now what can I do backside that I've got your linebacker screaming out of there and now I can take advantage of that. But I'm, I'm also looking at like, are my guards, when I think offensive football, what, how are my guards doing? Are they bird dogging? You know, it, it, it's pretty hilarious when you turn on film and you see that kid, you're like, oh, well, we know what way he's pulling, right? Or we know this is a pass set because his stance changes or he's leaning or he puts the other hand down or his fingertips aren't quite touching the ground anymore because he's like, Coach Dunn told me I got to go. So he's going to do whatever he can to prep to get there faster. So that's what are my kids doing that, right? Um that way we can solve that issue. Our, how about our mesh point? I start looking at mesh points and, you know, especially coach, you run a lot of RPO football. And that's, you know, something I've kind of taken from you and put in my toolbox. So now I want to do the same thing. Like is our mesh point holding those safeties in there? Are they, or is it so fast? I'm just flashing the ball and now they're flying out on a pass anyway, because I'm not really selling some of those things. Um, disguising things you know usually this early in the season you're probably not disguising much unless you're just a super solid program and you've been at it for a long time uh, you know but are we disguising in the well are kids getting too much freedom in disguise and now you know they're out of position half the time because they're having to get back to wherever they were supposed to be doing or are we just standing in a place that we're going to go anyway and we're not hiding anything and the quarterback can look out and read hey their corners are pressed it's definitely man this time because we've never disguised anything in our lives so if we press, it's man, and if we're back, it's cover two or three or whatever you're running. Um, so that's something that I want to try to take away from him, that young quarterback or the coach to see and start making plays. Uh, so I want to start working that disguising. Next thing is just, are my groups working well together? Uh, and this is, you know, we kind of talked fundamentals of, of positions already, but are all of my D linemen doing what they're supposed to do? Right, We use a, a spill to force and play with an alley guy, and that's our thing. We play spilling football, try to make your really fast kid run really fast at the sideline because I have an extra defender over there. Uh, so I want to make sure that all of my D linemen, all of my linebackers, everyone's fitting things the right way. Are they gaining contact with their target and reading what he's doing and making plays off that? Or am I D linemen just screaming upfield because, look, coach, I beat this guy on a block. Yeah, congratulations, you got hit with a screen for 50 yards, right? Like, so I want to make sure that they're doing all of their assignment well, not just their stance and going to the right gap, but now what? What are you reading? What makes you do the next thing? Um, and linebackers, well, you know, we've made those super, super simple. DBs, you know, it depends on how complex your coverage is. Their reads may be, you may, may have multiple things to read or, or whatever you're doing with your defense. Um, but are we doing those things well together? O-line's another place you can look at this, right? Especially if you're a zone read team or a zone team at all. If their angles aren't the same, right? If their steps aren't pretty similar and matching the backs, you may not be such a good uh, zone team, right? Because your your crease isn't going to be there. You're never going to find that cutback. And now you're just hoping we beat a guy on the edge so we can get wide on outside zone. Um, and, it, you know, generally we like to hit that cutback. So, just look at your groups. Are they working well together? Are run fits sound? That's another thing I want to know about my defense. Is that, am I truly, are we all hitting? And it kind of goes back to that same point. Are we all reading our key reads and going where we're supposed to? But if I jacked up the, the plan somehow, you know, like I just said, you know, if my outside backers running outside with motion to the flats, he's got two gaps in front of him. And now a safety who's 10 yards off the ball has got to fill them both. So there may be an issue like that. So are we sound in our pass coverage and our run fits? Yes, 
those are all things that I want to turn on. Um, all right. So how can we improve our scouting coach? Uh, there's a couple ways you, you can try to get it done because the reality is the reason most people either don't self-scout or, or can't self-scout enough is, is time. You know, it's lack of time because you're having to prepare to play somebody else. You're having to work on all your fundamental stuff. It's easier for offensive coaches to do this. And, and I don't want to offend my offensive brethren over here, but defensive guys have a lot more stuff to do on the weekend. Like they have a lot more film breakdown to do. They got to grade their own guys. They got to make sure their guys are good, which like an offensive guy would do too. But then when we break down a defense, we don't really know. Like we have certain things we think. We break down their personnel. We talk about like we think they might align to. This has been their trips adjust, yada, yada, yada. But we only have to worry about what we do, like how we line up, how they're going to line up. Defensive guys, it might be going from the flex bone to the spread or from, you know, air raid to the wing T, you know, it's a whole new lot to do. So I'd recommend if you have the ability to find a retired coach, potentially somebody you trust, they could watch your film and, and say, I, I can do the reports. I don't need that. I need you to break this down and tell me how you would attack me. Like, go ahead and watch this film and then come at me like you're game planning to beat me on both sides of the ball. You know, a retired guy or maybe a guy who's a, out of the sport for whatever reason or just someone you trust, um, they're going to be able to give you a lot of things that you might not have thought about. Like, hey, this guy's really talented. I notice every time you do this, it's kind of a giveaway. They're going to be able to pick up on those kind of things that we've already been talking about this whole episode. That you don't really have time or your own bias may have a hard time seeing. Like you have certain things you see because you're around these kids all the time, this guy doesn't see it that way. He just sees the game, you know, where you have that really nice kid that everyone loves. He can tell you he sucks. You know, we're like, sometimes you just can't see that, you know, as a coach or the other way around, you may have a guy you really don't think is great, but man, on Friday nights, he can't tell. Like he, man, he looks like a, a great player. So those kind of biases will sneak in on you if you're not careful where a guy who's from the outside looking in, he can just watch and objectively analyze what he sees. Okay. The other thing you could look at is if you are able to, a lot of times you can use the coach on the other side of the ball. Like if you have a bye week coming up, you know, uh, like Daniel mentioned, if you got time between games at some point, have your defense break down your offense, your offense break down your defense. You should be doing this, in my opinion, at every staff meeting anyway because the defensive guys go against you every day in practice. So they kind of know what you're doing and how they're going to attack it. Same thing on offense. We kind of know the guys that I would pick on on defense when we're calling plays. So that those are, that's information that needs to be shared back and forth uh, because they're going to see things, hey, you know, I think we could stop you if we blitz, yada, yada, yada. Maybe they could, and that's something I need to be aware of. Or hey man, if I was if I was calling a play against you guys, that as that linebacker never plays good contain. I'd run something, some eye candy, and get the edge all night long. Well, they need to know that stuff, you know, so they can work on that stuff and get better. So those are the two things I'd look at doing is looking at somebody objectively coming in or having conversations across offense and defense. If you have time, um, even doing a full breakdown on on both sides. 
I think that watching film is one of those things that just comes with practice. You've just got to watch film. You can't turn it on in season only. You'd be watching it in the off season and getting better at that craft, right? It doesn't matter. It's just like play calling. It's like, it's a fundamental. You make your kids rep fundamentals all off season so that when you get to the season, it's their first time. Isn't their first time that they've seen something, right? So why would, why would you not practice your skill as well? So it may be worth it to go back and, and scout yourself in the off season, just get better at watching film. Um, and I, I know that it seems like right now there's a ton of young coaches in the game. The old ones are, and the experienced ones are kind of just joining teams, man. Everywhere around me, it's like all the best coaches are just going to one team and just like, eh, we're just going to go over here and make things easy for us because of the just the way football is right now, right? And teaching and that whole environment is just is, is kind of doing its own thing. So with all the young coaches out there, you're not going to show up and be able to do this job. You're not going to be as a head coach, even if you've got four or five years experience elsewhere, you're going to have a lot of stuff to take care of that isn't watching film. So get really sound at it early uh, and then get efficient so that you don't have to watch it 35 times. Right. And now you're just seeing the same stuff over and over again, or you don't want to go watch yours because I just watched the opponent for six hours. Why would I turn on my own film? So, get more efficient at just watching film and seeing the patterns and, and seeing football. Uh, and then that way you can watch less opponent film and get some of your film in. I think you should self scout every week. I really do. Well, we do a lot of one thing we've done. I don't know if it's self scouting or not, but it fits this mold is like the Monday practice. I give them about 10 to 15 minutes worth of individuals. A lot of times Monday is kind of a walkthrough. You're preparing for the opponent. But before we do that, you have about a 10 to 15 minute what we call fix it period. We're like, this is stuff directly off of our film that we struggled at in the game. And so you, you know, not only are you going to watch the film, you're going to know the film, you're going to know what you have to fix, but now you're intentionally scheduling right out the gate, opening the week. Hey guys, we're going to work on whatever. And then we just tell our kids that we say, Hey, this is our fix it period. These are things we really struggled with during the game. So we're going to get them right now. And then we'll look at our opponent. Yeah, that's a really good one as well. All right. Well, we didn't do a top 10 uh, list tonight. And we try to do those anytime we don't have a guest. But, you know, we, I went through the list of all the top 10s. We said, hey, these are what we should do this, this season. And none of them really made sense for tonight. So instead of forcing it, I thought, let's talk more about breaking down film. So, Coach, I want to know just some of, there's no no limit here, but some of your favorite huddle or quick cut or what your custom columns, or it could be the, the ones that are given to you. If you really like offensive strength uh, and that's your column, then by all means. But what are the ones that you're for sure filling out every week when you watch your opponent or yourself? Uh, we're really big on third downs. I think the game is won or lost on third slash fourth down. So we want to know what they're going to run on those downs, especially on if I'm breaking down from defense side of the ball, that's the first thing I'm looking at is, okay, let me look at their third down plays. Give me the third and mediums, their third and longs. Most people on third and short are going to run kind of their base stuff. So I don't really, not that I don't need that, but show me their third and uncomfortables, like four or mores. And then let's see if we can find something on that where we can get some stops because here's the deal. You get them into third and four or more, and you get them off the field, you're probably going to win. So let's start there. Okay, let's start. What are we going to do there to get them off the field? 
Okay. Then I look for 90 pluses. So like what's something they do 90% of the time plus that could be a lot of things that could be formation dependent to the field dependent field zone dependent personnel dependent. It could be anything that we say, man, 90% of the time they do this. We can give that to our kids. And that's how we usually will build what we call automatics for defense. Hey, if we see trips, 90% of the time they've rolled out to trip. So we're going to trigger our inside backer and we're going to run whatever trap coverage with something. So we're going to have something in the game for those 90 pluses. Okay. Then a lot of times I'm looking at, are they sideline dependent or are they field boundary? They're usually one or the other. They're usually going to go to the field or the boundary. Most people go to the field or they're going to be sideline heavy because their coach, maybe he, that's how he can see the game. You can see it real well from your sideline. And then being honest, you can kind of control the officiating from your sideline a little bit as well. So is he sideline or field boundary? Then I'm old school. We are going to look at, um, we're going to look at formations. Uh, you know, if we can find something on your formations that will give us help, we're going to be good with that. If it's not going to give us help, we just kind of review it to get us lined up. Make sure we feel good to be lined up. We're really looking for the word key. What what word can I give my inside linebackers, defensive linemen, safeties to move their eyes the right direction? So can we find a key? And the last thing on here, it kind of goes with the rest of them, but where are some ways we can get big plays? Like where are some ways offensively where I know, hey, guys, if we get them at the 25, they're going to go man zero, or we give them trips, we're always going to get locked up linebacker on the, on the, on the running back. You know, where are ways I can create explosive plays on offense and flip it? Where are ways we can create explosive plays on defense? And so that kind of goes into that 90-plus category. If we can give a 90-plus to a kid, we're going to let him gamble. I guess if they go bunch trips, it's screen to number one. Like as soon as they get in it, jump the screen. If you get a pick, great. If you don't, we'll roll covers behind you. Who cares? So where can we create explosive game-changing plays that's going to be in there it's really not its own column but we get it out of that 90 plus column and that third down column is where we usually will pull that from awesome um i just like you said i'm, I'm a big fan of like that the bench or away column and, and huddle took it away uh so field and boundary and bench and away have, are deleted out of the common columns now so i always I go back and say this the new huddle sucks like it's not very good the old huddle is better yeah um i i would I, someday i want to piddle around in some quick cuts but i'm kind of stuck with whatever my school gives me so okay. huddle it is um so i like to add those columns back in and just see is this team like you said did they are they a team that's really worried about field boundary or is it just coach wants to see what's going on and I've seen both um you know in the last couple of years I've like you said they generally are one or the other and uh and usually you figure it out pretty quick in about three or four series you'll realize oh they just want to get back to their sideline or they just want to run to where there's space um from a hash so I want to see what are they doing when they get stuck on a hash and this is kind of that field and boundary column again but um you know I have seen some some plays that they get stuck on a hash and they just want to run sweep and get it back to the middle. And then I've seen some that are like, oh, we're over here. So now that we're on a hash, we really want to run a counter or something back inside. 
to where you're overplaying or sliding to that field. And now I want to hit you on the, on the inside coming back the other way. Another thing in the world where uh, H's and tight ends have, have really stayed pretty prominent in my area. And matter of fact, with Owasso, that's it's kind of bewildering to me that these very large schools are running like three formations, man. I mean, it is some version of trips. Uh, it could be a, a, th- a detached third wide receiver or an H and then some kind of doubles. So it's either doubles or, or one of them is an eight. And that's kind of what you see. There's a little bit of quads, a little bit of funky stuff, but they need to empty the box, let their guys work, let that, those big hogs up front, you know, pushing people around and let back find a crease. So I'm kind of finding that like formations even around here is, is starting to reduce and, and like have a trips check, have a quads check, and then go on with life because that's what you're going to see. Um, so I want to see if they do have that that H or that tight end. Are they really trying to run to him or pass over him or to him? Or is he a split zone kind of guy and it's going to go backside every time? So um, I've not I've not got to play around with our film enough to see in this realm now that I'm in how much that changes. Um, I've seen a lot of split zone. So we'll see. It, it, it may be one of those things that's a, a null and void column. I don't know. But that's the ones that I like to see. I'm going to pick up on your third down ones, though, because – um, I, I agree. I think games are won and lost on third down. And generally, hopefully you're not just playing an absolute freight train. That's, you know, getting first on second or whatever. So, all right, man, well, it's time that we have the, uh, the closing piece here and what not to do as a coach. So coach, why don't you give us our lesson for the evening? Yeah. So, and this is the last of the season. So hopefully we'll keep this up. If y'all are in the comments of YouTube or email us. If you want us to keep doing the what not to do, then I enjoy doing it. Hopefully y'all are getting something from it. Most of these are things that I've done. So I can understand speaking from the heart on most of them. So this one today is what not to do as a coach. And the, the what not to do is get lazy using huddle assist. And I'm not going to down huddle. I'm not, this is not a berry huddle, but here's what happens to a lot of times is we send our film off to somebody who's not even there's no idea about football. And then they send us back their breakdown. We print the sheets off and we think we broke down an opponent. Maybe I'm old, but there's something in my opinion about watching every single play and looking for the notes you can find. I'm not saying not to use huddle assist. I'm not saying that at all. Or quick, we I use quick cut assist. Any of them. They're all good. Yep. But that does not take the place of breaking down an opponent. Breaking down an opponent requires a lot more than just all the, oh, here's their formations and here's their plays and here's this. That's important stuff we just mentioned. That's stuff you need to have. But plays, football's won by players. And huddle assist, quick cut assist, any assist is not going to tell you who their best players are. That's going to be something you're going to have to dig into the film and find. And so I think a lot of times, there's been a lot of good things with technology. There's been a lot of efficiency with technology with the younger coaches, but there's something that's missing if you don't really learn how and the why of diving into the film and figuring it out. And so I think that's one of the things that I don't like about the assists is a lot of younger coaches have not been able to go through that process to understand what data they're actually looking at and how to take advantage of that. Absolutely. All right, Coach, if you want to pitch your uh, ad spots here one more time and tell us how to simplify football, especially it's you're going in probably week three. Maybe you're doing really good. Maybe you're not. 
it's a great time to simplify if, if, if you're struggling. So how can coaches simplify football for their staff and their players? Sure. Uh, Coaching 101 podcast is sponsored by Findaway Productions. Findaway Productions hosts fbcoachsimpson.com. So multiple materials there from PowerPoints. You need a call sheet. You can go get one there. You need an emergency action plan. You can go grab one there. You need all the stuff that you probably like a packing sheet. It's over there. So there's anything you can think of, man, I really need to have this ready for our game. You can go over there and I've already got them. You can just edit them and make them whatever you need them to be. Or if you want some reading material, you can go over there and there's 30 some odd books, all things football. Uh, Final Book Productions also is sponsoring the Coaches Cap, which will be coming out if it's not already out. You're looking to make sure you don't lose your whistle like I do and protect your face and skin from the sun, which I wish I had done earlier. Uh, CoachesCap.com will have what you need over there. Excited about that. I only ordered so many of them for the first trial run to make sure that the coaches are going to want them. So if you want them, be sure to get in line and get over there real quickly and grab them. Also, OffensiveCoordinatorAcademy.com and DefensiveCoordinatorAcademy.com. Same deal. There's a full academy, full 60-some-odd hours worth of content. I know right now you probably don't have time for that, so go over there and grab a call sheet or a blitz sheet or a defensive line course you can watch on how to evade blocks. So there's more specific things you might be able to go over there and get for your pressing needs. Uh, OffensiveCoordinatorAcademy.com and DefensiveCoordinatorAcademy.com. Awesome. Um, real quick, I'll just mention again the uh... – excuse me, athleticspeedmovement.com. You can run over there and, and, and really figure out how to teach your players to run faster. Um, I, I can't I, – I know that the, the thing is always, hey, you can't teach speed, but in today's world, kids are outside less and less. Video games have them locked away in the house. They're not running at three, four, five years old as much as they used to. They aren't riding bikes hardly anymore. Like it is – they're going from – you know, crawling to like motorized things that requires no physical effort. They're just not as coordinated. Not only that, but you teach high school ball or youth ball, you've probably got some kids that have grown and they have no body awareness. They don't know where their body is. So this this system will help you structure the practice that allows them to find their body and start running fast with what they were given. Um, people, kid, quarterbacks have taken a full second off their 40 time. And I know the 40 isn't, isn't the ultimate litmus test, right? It's not like, hey, how fast is my kid in football? Give me a 40 time. I know that's not completely real. You put pads on them and they got to move around some other guys. It's, it's, But it is a thing we all understand. And when someone takes a second off of that and it's, it's not um, – all the other variables are kind of worked out, you can go back to the training and it's Del Basquette Speed, speed and Movement Program. So jump in there at athleticspeedmovement.com. Um, you can sign up today. And also adaptable PTs, adaptable physical therapy, the clinic up in Grove, Oklahoma. My wife and I have opened. Uh, we're at, you know, we opened on May the fourth, so we are the Star Wars Star Wars Day opening. So we're hoping that uh, this year continues to just be blessed as it has been. And um, she is very good with the concussions. She's good with, you know, obviously physical therapy with injuries, but injury prevention as well. Um, she's, gosh, she's kind of awesome. She's she's really really good at what she does, and it blows my mind that she's so good at what she does. So. Um, she's worth the drive, if, especially if your kid has dealt with concussions in the past. Um, you know, that's one of those things that generally keeps hanging around. It will come back and bite you again. So just maybe put the phone number in your phone or, uh, you know, look them up and, and look us up and send, shoot an email. 
you know, Sam can give you some things to do. She doesn't mind helping people out all the time. But schedule an appointment, get in, talk to her as well. That's at, uh, at AdaptablePT on Twitter and AdaptablePT at gmail.com on email. All right, Coach. Uh, you said you had the new hat coming out. What's our? Do we have a timeline for it to sell? I'm hoping it's going to come out in about three, four weeks. I've got to get them shipped over, and I've got the patent done now, and I'm getting samples as we speak. So it may be, may be in the off-season, but I'm hoping I can at least get some guys – some of this way before I, at least the first batch. Good. Awesome. Um, social media, where can we get you at social media coach? Uh, you can go to FB coach Simpson uh, at gmail.com is my email and at FB coach Simpson is my Twitter handle. And if you're listening to this now and you're wanting to do all the graphic stuff that you see on my timeline, my wife is at J Simp designs. And I think she's got her plate full. I think she's got about 70 schools. I feel like that she works with, but if you want to be added to that group and look good, you can reach out to her. I just made mine on Canva. So, you know, it's, that's always there too. I, I, I ran a whole school social media with just Canva. That, that, that thing is pretty awesome, but uh, your wife does immaculate work. I love everything. She's most of the stuff I've seen for the podcast and a few schools. So, and I think you said throw deep publishing is one of hers, right? I've yeah, seen she some does, graphics, she works so. for Alex. Yeah. Yeah. So all very, very good stuff. So, Thank her for making quality products. Seems like it's kind of hard to find in the world today. All right. We want to thank you for being a listener to the Coaching 101 podcast. We'll hope you join us next week as we continue to make the complex more simple. Season two starts next week. Get in your ideas so we know what you want to hear in season. We don't want to waste your time. Okay. Efficiency. We're all about efficiency. Got a big guest coming up that first episode. I'm excited. That's right. Please consider subscribing to the show so you'll always know when the new episodes are out. We'll leave you with this. It's hard to beat someone who never gives up. No matter the situation, find a way.